This week on the podcast, I'm joined by Eric Manning, a legend in the sport of trail running and the co-creator of one of the original trail running podcasts, Trail Manners. Eric and I sat down to discuss a whole bunch of topics, from how Eric initially got into the sport, to how trail running has changed over the past couple decades, to what it takes to maintain the trails we know and love, and what prioritizing running can really do for you and those you love. I really enjoyed talking to Eric, and I almost guarantee if you love this sport, you will love this conversation. And if you do, you should check out the Trail Manners podcast if you don't listen to it already. Quick note, we lost connection right after the 23-minute mark for a couple minutes. We got back to it, and I stitched it together, so it's not like you have to listen to two minutes of silence, but you are definitely going to notice the edit. Anyway, that's all. Let's get to the conversation with Eric Manning. Welcome to the Trail and Ultra Running Training Podcast. My name is Will Franz, and I'm here to help you improve your training so you can have more fun out on the trails. This week on the podcast, we have Eric Manning. Eric has been around in the sport forever. Uh, he has Thanks. his own podcast, Trail <laughs> Manners, and uh, I'm going to have him introduce himself a little more. How, how are you doing today, Eric? I'm doing okay. Um, you know, I had intentions of getting up and laying out and getting some sun, but um, apparently Mother Nature doesn't want me with a tan this year. So uh, doing pretty good, though. Doing pretty good. Yeah, man. It is not helping me on the depression front. I'm pretty open about it. And uh, I don't have only seen the sun like 12 times since December. So uh, not yeah. doing great. <laughs> Cool, man. Yeah. Uh, after the, after we get done with this, I'm headed to St. George and hopefully find a little bit of dirt and and uh, a little warmer weather. But it's supposed to be like in the 60s, so I'm a little worried about heat stroke. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that temperature means anymore, man. It was like 55 here, and I was sweating the other day. Like, I don't yeah, know. I don't know how I don't know how to dress above 40 right now. Like when I run, I'm like, do I wear like a heavier jacket? Do I? What do I wear? It's weird man anyway so yeah for those of you not in utah it is uh there's just feet of snow we've had like 800 inches up at the top of alta so it has been uh first so it's the first ski resort in north america ever really to hit 800 inches yeah that's what i read and i'm like oh no california gets dumped and trucky and stuff but they said uh brighton's next by to later tonight so yeah 800 yeah. inches that sounds like a lot the fact that we set a record over tahoe is like insanity to me someone who used to work in the industry i can't yeah. even believe that oh man um it's just what i read just what i read so <laughs> i didn't do any research i mean that feels like a stat that's probably not pushed out there for dumb <laughs> reasons so yeah i feel like well dude um i guess one question i have that i haven't heard much from somewhere anywhere else is like how did you get into this sport and I used to play soccer and I didn't really like running. I've never really heard the transfer of how that happened. What turned you from someone who like me did running as a means to do other things into someone who has a trail running podcast? Like how did that happen? Um, sketchy friendships, I guess is the best <laughs> way to say it. <laughs> um, Fair, man. You know, I, Fair. I, uh, <laughs> Like, like you mentioned, I was a big soccer guy. I mean, all through my life and um, honestly did not like running on any level. 
Um, but obviously in soccer, you're chasing a ball. It's kind of like the cat chasing the red dot. You don't know what you're doing. And so it's a no big deal. But uh, I started coaching college soccer here in Utah, Weber State University. And uh, at the time, um, you know, a really good friend of mine played with him. Um, he was my assistant coach, um, Scott Jaime, who many may know, some may not, unfortunately. Uh, he was into running and he started running and he did the St. George Marathon and he came back, you know, for a soccer game and he came down into the locker room and he could barely walk. Right. And I'm addressing the team and here comes the assistant coach, like hobbling in, like you've been hit by a bus and everybody's looking at him like, what is your problem? Why do you do this? Right. Um, and then um, over the course of time, he, he found trail and ultra running and he invited me to come watch him finish uh, Kachina Mosa hundred K in Provo. Um, okay. So I had no idea what a hundred, I didn't know. No. Yeah. Like, that's a tough one. That's yeah, I mean, back then too. I mean, this was 20 plus years ago. So yeah. that race was one of the few and it was legit. You, you still drink Gatorade out of glass bottles, I think back then too. So we didn't have the nutrition. Um, yeah, I went down to watch him. I didn't know what a hundred K was. I didn't know what ultra running or trail running really was, which was sad, but, uh, he finished the race. Um, he finished second overall. Um, which was incredible. But then we, as we sat and was hanging out with him, he lost his hearing and he couldn't talk like legitimately. He couldn't talk. He, he looked Jesus. dazed and I'm just staring at this guy. Like, um, I don't even know how to handle this. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's um, a lot. He, he came around. Yeah. He came around. And so I thought, yeah, this is ridiculous. And then time went by another year and he says, Hey, why don't you pace me at the Wasatch 100? And I'm like, okay, what is that? what does pacing mean? What is the Wasatch 100? And um, so I accepted and he said, well, in order to do that, you need to start running. And I was like, I can figure that out. So my first ever trail race, I, I ran the Buffalo run uh, 25K, the very, very first year uh, Jim Skaggs put it on and um, did not care for it one bit. Um, <laughs> it rained and snowed and I uh, had a miserable experience. And then a month later, I went to Colorado to run a 50K um, with him. And it's a four loop 50 K and I've never been more miserable in my life. And he actually finished the race, went home, coached his son's soccer game, came back to get me. That's how fast I was at the time. So, it sounds like um, but, but, but ultimately, but ultimately what really captured me was I grew up in the mountains um, for the most part. So that captured me. And then the community, it, I mean, to say I enjoyed it would be uh, to the running aspect. I would probably be not telling the truth, um, but the community was absolutely phenomenal. Um, just seeing the people at the start line of my 50 K I remember looking next to me and there was a guy in his seventies in like Kmart sweats, you know, the big heavy ones with the cinched ankles. And I'm like, Oh dude. And then he passed me on loop too. So I'm like, yep. Yeah, all right. Well, that's the end of that. Um, so is it, and it was just, you know, mind stuff. I grew up as a very, very competitive athlete and soccer player. And as you know, and people out there, when you you're do sports, you don't train to finish second, you don't train not to win the championship. So it was a totally different mindset knowing going in that, Hey, it's okay to finish, you know, back of the pack or, you know, not in the top 50% or whatever it is. So it was a, it was a life lesson um, in patience. It was a life lesson in giving myself a break. Uh, but ultimately, um, the community, the community, and that's where I am today is, is to me, it's second to none. Really, the trail community is. Yeah, man. I, so Scott Jaime's my problem. Scott Jaime's who I blame. Scott Jaime's so your Jaime, friend. Scott Jaime. 
who who if, if you don't know him turned in and i hate to use the word a lot but it's the easiest to understand turned into an absolute elite yeah. bomber athlete um just incredible finished over 10 hard rock 100s and i mean the list goes on and on yeah man Nate, i know the name for sure as you know i haven't been in this super long but the community is i don't even know it's it's unreal it's very welcoming it's kind of like when i played ultimate frisbee abroad that community is very important because it's this expat community playing this like very weird sport in the middle of asia right so like you're very tight-knit yeah and it's kind of the same thing here it's like a very tight-knit community and there seems to be very little i don't know gatekeeping you'll see it occasionally but it's mostly like just get out on the trails man like if then as long as you're into that that's your your home it's good so are you from up in absolutely Uh, I'm originally, yeah, from near Ogden. It's called Roy. Um, okay. Simple name, R-O-Y. When <laughs> I grew up there, went to high school there. And, uh, you know, young back a long time ago, as you mentioned, I've been around a long time, so I won't age myself. But um, left <clears throat> left Utah to go to chase my soccer dreams in Oregon. Um, so I lived up okay. there for a while and came back home and uh, just haven't left. Um, had opportunities to go other places, but... Uh, it's there's just too much for me here not just family but um the outdoors you know and And sometimes we have four seasons so i know we don't know that right (laughs) now but sometimes we do sometimes man yeah when the winter lasts the amount of time it's supposed to last it's pretty cool yeah yeah um so you had a group up there the hummers and is that still a thing that's rolling or is that kind of faded It did. Um, you know, we, it was just one of those things where again, we're, we're dating, but it's been a long time and I don't even know when we started the group, but we, you know, had a, in Ogden here, it was a small running community at the time, trail running community, very small. And you'd see people on the trail that you'd see, you know, a lot, right. Or, or more often than not. And, you know, word got out and finally we started running together and, you know, then it was like, Hey, how come you didn't text me and let me know you were running or, you know, that type of thing. So on a run with a couple of friends, I thought, you know, we should start a, a group that we could just post stuff and people can join. And so we started the happy Utah mountain runners, the Hummers. Um, and we were, we were in it for a long time, man. We, we had some of the best experiences I've ever had as a trail runner and the beautiful people that I'm still friends with obviously today and some still run and some don't but at one point trail runner magazine named us the number one trail running club in the world not America the world which That's is kind of funny but amazing um, we never took ourselves too seriously yeah we, we just have get-togethers now obviously running groups and clubs are a lot more popular on the trail side than they've ever been but um, we were pretty small um, and, and we like to tell ourselves or, or people that we're not exclusive, but we're not all inclusive. And, you know, I know that word's changed a lot uh, through time, but we were more about having fun on the trails, you know, not taking ourselves too seriously, not out there for Strava records. We were more support, you know, we drive all over the country to support each other at a race, whether it's pacing or crewing and, you know, get together and do a hockey game or, you know, awards at the end of the year. And um, yeah, it was, it was wonderful. And, Unfortunately, time changes and things happen and it's uh, it's not there anymore, but it's I still drink out of the Hummer pint glass all the time. So um, it's still there in my heart for sure. That's awesome, man. I feel like, I mean, you're right. Things have 
changed and spread and there's a lot more groups out there but it did sound like something very i don't know i tend to run solo it's a thing i do um but i think it's largely because i just haven't like naturally found that group right and the cohesiveness that it sounds like y'all had just from wanting to go out and enjoy nature sounded amazing so feel that yeah i mean we yeah, we did, we did it all. You know, it was, it was a good time for sure. And, um, the sports changed a lot in 20 years. Um, that's how about I checked and it's been about 20 years since I've been in the trail running community on one level or another, and it's changed a lot. And, um, you know, that's a whole nother story for good or bad. And I think it's a combination of both to be honest with you, but, uh, yeah, it was good. It was a good time. I love to hear people know about the Hummer group once in a while. It's fun <laughs> to think about it. So what, I mean, on that, this was one of my later questions, but what kind of changes have you seen over that long in this sport? Cause it's still, I mean, yeah, it's growing and I know it's skyrocketing, but it's still kind of a niche sport. It's not football by any means. Like what switches have you seen over the past couple decades? Man, that's, that's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> I get asked that a lot and, and, and you know, I never, I mean, it depends on how you look at it. And that's the truth, right? I mean, there's, there's, you could look at, you could look at one topic and say that's been negative, but you can also see the positive in it as well. Um, you know, I think yeah. one of the things I always tried to do in my podcast and in my travels is um, give people, give people a glimpse of how it got to what it is, right? Kind of like that whole thing of know who came before you, right? Um, and, and again, this isn't meant on any level, good or bad. It's just the way it is. But I mean, obviously social media is a good thing and it's also not a good thing, right? Depend on the usage and what happens, but you know, the growth in social media has changed the sport a lot. I think, um, I've known people and seen people that have gotten into the sport for the wrong reasons. Um, and it shows and it, it unfortunately, you know, can be a bad thing, but I've also seen people get in the sport, not knowing and fall in love with it and be fantastic ambassadors for the, the sport itself. Not, 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 uh, uh, businesses, but, um, it just used to be so much more low key. Um, and I know for myself, that's what the races I try and chase, you know, ones that aren't just super, uh, media frenzies, you know, um, not that that's a bad, I'm like, yeah, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I mean, growth comes on both sides, but I mean, hard rock 100, when I first would go down to that 15 years ago, it wasn't even the same as it is today. And people talk about it and I would, I didn't run the race, but, um, so I can't speak on that side of things, but, um, it was just different, you know, races were so much more low key. I mean, hell, when I tried to get into squat peak 50, you have to send a self-addressed stamp envelope by December 1st in the mail and print out the paper. And if he got it and it said December 1st, you were kind of in. But then at that point, I mean, this is before lotteries. I mean, it was just like, you either got your stuff to me in time and you're in or sorry. You know, it was was crazy. So, um, but it was just different. I mean, the feel was different. Um, The vibe was different. It used to be where Moab Red Hot was the first race of the year. There wasn't winter races. You would literally have races that would go till maybe October and then everybody would go dormant. And then Red Hot 50 was the biggest trail party for the Western U.S., right? You'd meet all your friends from Colorado after the winter. You'd see how much Christmas weight you put on. And um, it was it was just a different feeling, you know. Um, and again, I, I'm not saying that doesn't exist now, but 
anybody that, that that's been around for even five, 10 years will notice that the sponsorship level games changed. Right. And I was in that for a while. I was with Smith optics and helped out with Pearl Azumi to start a Pearl Azumi ultra team. So it's not like I like, um, innocent of anything and obviously having sure. a podcast brings more to the sport but um it's just changed the, the feels changed a little bit i just wish people knew the joe kulaks and the you know jeff roses and the the skaggs brothers and you know stuff like that a little bit more i mean everybody knows carl Meltzer and scott jurek and then the big names now but there's some some people the rock hortons i mean i could go on and on right um yeah. with some of the old, older runners that came before us leland barker who started the bear i mean he had such a mystique about who he was and what he did and to me those were the the fun stories too not that we don't have them now but i think that's doing podcasts like you do um <clears throat> it's always fun to let people know and into these you know the history or the past because once those stories are gone they're they're gone right um, yeah, you don't hear it anymore. So, but there's nothing wrong with the sport in my eyes. I mean, you could point things out here and there, but um, it's growth with anything. And I, I just hope it keeps that culture and that feel of, you know, truly, truly getting to a point where people are comfortable doing it. It's inclusive, um, you know, on whatever level that looks like. And it's just a place people can go and enjoy themselves, really. I mean, that's ultimately what this is, you know, very little prize money even the sponsored athletes are few and far between that can make a true living at it. So um, yeah, I know it was a long winded question, but um, I, I loved the old days for sure. I get that. And it's, it's a weird thing to watch something you change that you love change, even if like yeah. in some ways you recognize it brings more people to it, which is kind of what you want. It also is tough. Like I, yeah. I'm newer to this and I know I'm kind of on that end, but I watched a very similar thing happen with ultimate. Like that was, that was not a sport that had high school teams. We created one from the ground up and nobody knew what it was. And now like, now it's on ESPN. <laughs> I just yeah. like, I don't know what this is. It's, it's very different. And to me, it isn't the same thing I used to play. And I totally understand why like, that can push some people away. It draws a bigger crowd. Like I, it's, it's a shift, man. Sometimes in some ways it's really good. And in some ways it definitely causes struggles. And I feel yeah. about the history thing too. Like one of my podcasts, I'm kind of working my way through is Davy Crockett's like ultra running history podcast. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. man. like learning all that old stuff, like how people used to race horses for a hundred miles and whatever. It's fascinating to me, but I don't think we hear a lot of that history very much and i agree i think it kind of well kind of sad and that's a funny thing i mean when i say that i mean i've been around for 20 years right that's not long right so you look at people that have been for 30 and 40 years in the sport you know and it's you know when when i say i 20 years they're looking at me like oh you're still pretty young in the sport too type mentality because it's true right um sure. you know and, and one of the great podcasts i ever did was with rock horton um, mm. absolute legend in every possible way you could imagine. And when I wanted him on the podcast, he didn't, he wasn't even sure what a podcast was, right. He was very not into social media stuff and it took a little help from Ty Draney and Luke Nelson to get rock on there. But yeah. you know, when I talked to him, he, he, I don't say he left the sport, but he detached himself a little bit from the sport for a little while. Um, because he was getting like, and, and you could listen to the podcast. He was, I wouldn't say sour, 
right? But he was just like, he noticed the change and everything going on. And and he said, then finally someone came up to me and says, well, why don't you go back in and help with that, right? And that's, he said to him was a, a really, you know, it kind of, he, he changed his thought process, right? Instead of just detaching himself and distancing something from what he helped grow and, and make beautiful, um, he got back in to help the new people understand and learn, you know, like whether it's a new race director, he could help, you know, along the way or, you know, anybody. So I think that's, I learned a lot from that um, because I do think, you know, however long you've been in the sport, I think you do have a responsibility to it, to a degree. I know some people will disagree with me there, like the old Charles Barkley. I'm not a role model mentality, but, and I just dated myself again. He used to be a basketball player, not just an announcer, but, <laughs> but it is, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's up to, to people to kind of help people along the way. It's, it's quick to complain. You know, it's quick, whatever it is like, Oh my God, there's too many people on the trail or, Oh my heck, there's this. But at the same time, you don't know what you don't know. Right. And I think as, you know, whether you're a runner, uh, ultimate Frisbee, uh, the cyclist or whatever it is, I think it falls on you a little bit to help um, people um, come into the sport, understand it a little bit better and um, just be like, and I hate using the word because it's so used, but just be an ambassador for the sport for the right reasons. Right. Um, And that's important to me for sure. And, I don't have the credentials of ever winning a race or finishing top 10, or I've never been a fast athlete, but you know, I've been around for 20 years. And so I've seen some change. So I, I definitely try and throw my two cents out there the best I can, but you know, it doesn't come with a, a ton of, Oh my God, this guy used to be fast. You know, I'm like, nah, yeah. I never, don't even drive a car fast. So. No, I get that man. And like, I just saw your shirt it says be a good human. And it like really does actually kind of drive a thing in a complicated thing that I think this sport's going to have to deal with in the next couple of years where we are growing so much. And as I said, I'm part of the, you know, if we're going to call it a problem, a problem, but like to me, the thing that drew me to the sport was like the mountains are my home. They've always been my home. And the fact that like, then I figured out, Oh, you can kind of run through them and see more of them and experience more of them. That, that was it. Like, that's what made sense to me. And on one hand, I love that more people are getting into the mountains. It's great. I think everybody should experience it. On the other hand, I'm worried that it leads to like misuse of trails and just trash and not taking care of this. And I think, as you said, like being a good ambassador is so important. And I know that you, like you work on the trails up in Ogden. Like, what have you seen from that end as far as taking care of the trails and like over the past couple of years and what that requires and what that leads to? You know, I'm probably one of the luckiest people I know, to be honest with you, in some ways, because I'm I'm passionate. And if you hear me talk even today or any other time, I love the trails. I really do. I think they are you know, such a beautiful place. And I used to work on trails and not just for, you know, hours to run a race, but I was fortunate enough to be asked to interview for a job. And I became the executive director of a nonprofit, um, the Trails Foundation of Northern Utah. We are based out of Ogden area. Um, And so my, my job daily is trails, whatever that looks like, building, maintaining, advocating, open space, working with 
government, private landowners, forest service. Um, and obviously I, I took that job right before COVID. Um, and so it was really warp speed, um, if you will. Um, and, you know, um, there has been an immense volume <laughs> increase in trail usage. Um, and I'm with you. I love seeing families on the trails and people connecting without electronics and, you know, this, that, and the other and spending family time together or bonding with friends and having your animal or whatever it is. I, I, I love that. But when I say that, you know, 15 years ago, I knew every trail runner or every. Eric, you were saying that you also love seeing this like big shift towards, you know, more trail usage and families being out there, but like 15 years ago, you seem to know everybody, everybody out there when you go out there. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, so with my, with my job, a lot of that came down to oh, what's the word I'm looking for is just like my shirt says, right. If you're going to be on the trails, um, let's just be a good trail. Let's be a good person, right. Be a good trail user, be a good individual because we all go out there for the same reasons, right. Whether it's, um, I'm a biker, right? I'm a hiker. I walk my dog. I'm a runner. Um, we all go out there for the same reasons, which, you know, hopefully is to enjoy yourself, enjoy nature and those type of things. Um, so let's just make sure if we're out there for a couple hours, we don't remember that 10 second uh, uh, experience that was negative, right? Um, so with that's what I've seen with my role. So I've started to do more here on education and etiquette uh, more than, you know, we do trail building, we do trail maintenance because that's very much needed. And after the snow melt here, it's going to be even worse. But um, a lot of it is just like when you're on the trail, there is an etiquette triangle yielding everything else. But I think ultimately, if we just go out on the trails and we're a good person, you know, bikes are supposed to yield to people on foot. Um, and there's a reason for that. You know, it's a lot because bikes, if they get going too fast, no, they don't have to pay attention. They're going to plow you over. Right. Um, however, when I run, if I see a bike coming and it's me, by myself and there's more than one or even one I'll wave them on sometimes. No, go ahead. I can easily step off and, and do those things. And yeah. um, so I think again, it's just more about being a good person because it is, I mean, the trails are for everybody, you know, they're not, you don't need a, a membership, you know, you don't need any of those types of things. And, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, if you're a walker or a runner or you run a five, you know, five miles or 30 miles, right. I mean, they're, they're there to be enjoyed. Um, and that's, you know, again, why I said I was the luckiest guy because, you know, for a while there, it was difficult having my passion join my job. Um, but then, it, you know, it took me a while to figure that out. And that's why there's a, that's a big reason why my podcast lapsed for a little while. Cause I couldn't figure it out. You know, I was kind of, um, jaded a little bit on, you know, people getting pissed off at me for, Oh man, I can't, can't believe you let e-bikes on the trail, or I can't believe you guys did this water bar or whatever on the trail reverse grade and i'm like then i'd go run on that section and go this actually is really nice like why are they mad at me you know um but then i just learned to say you know what everybody's got their own thing and i can't let it take away from what i love and um you know that's that's a big reason why i've got more energy and more excitement now is i figured that out you know i'm not a spring chicken so i'm not i was, wish i was smarter and able to put my emotions aside but that didn't work out for me too well it's hard, man. I'm like <clears throat> kind of the same thing. Like my passion is fitness and like find a way to align my job. And the thing that has brought me so much importance to my own life is like, it's hard and it's a, uh, it's a tough thing to stay static. And well, like, 
yeah. with being in fitness, right? I mean, it's the same with the running. There's not That's one it. way to do it. Right? It's not and one I way think... to do it, and there's a lot of people out there pushing stuff that's nonsense and actively harmful, and like just well, really frustrating on a daily basis. So yeah, I feel well, like... you know you see it a lot on both, right? I mean, it could be agendas, it could be a product reason, it could be you know um, social media likes and different reasons or status, you know, and you know, and that's again, I mean, my my podcast that I just came back out with is saying, you know what, there's not a right way or wrong way to hydrate or to eat for a living or to train or to, I mean, it just, you find what works for you. And I think it's good. We have more resources out there, but I think to me, again, everybody can be mad at me here, but um, to me, there's too many quote unquote experts out there, Yeah, you know, but, but there's a lot of stuff you're hearing about heavy right now that there's just not a lot of history behind, right? Like there's not enough data to support it. Um, and it might be great for this person and, you know, for the last four years, but what's long-term on that, right? We don't know. Um, so I, I, I struggle when people try to tell you there's one shoe. This is the best shoe. This is the best sock. This is the best gel. And you're like, well, you know, I disagree. I mean, I, I went to a restaurant the other day with my daughter to celebrate her 18th birthday and I had a pair of shoes on and I'm not going to name the brand, but the, the waiter came up to me and he's like, those shoes are bad for you. And I'm like, what? You know? And I'm like, looking at the guys like, yeah, I'm into functional fitness. That's my life. And this is what I, this is what I wear. And this is what I do. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm not into functional fitness and I'm eating this uh, chicken and waffle. So I'm probably not into a whole lot of fitness right now, but uh, you know, as a trail runner, this is what I wear, you know? Um, so again, it was just one of those things where, you know, he tried to go after me about the shoe shoes. And I'm like, okay, I, I was in the shoe industry for quite some time. I have a pretty good understanding of, of stuff. And um, again, I, I, I think that's a, a, a thing that I've learned to do better with is same with building trails, right? There's more than one way to do it, you know? Um, and and yeah. I think the, the quicker we understand that and just say, Hey, this person might be trying to do some good. Maybe I'll take a quip from that person, you know? Um but not the whole program. So. Yeah, absolutely, man. I try to learn from everybody and I love that. Like I, I'm just over here dying on mute. Cause otherwise I'd just be laughing over you. Cause like the cults that people get involved in over, like they find something that works for them. And then that is the way. Right. Yeah. And yeah. sure. There's some like matters of human physiology that we should probably discuss and like not overlook, but beyond that, like if something works well for you, I don't understand why we get so it doesn't need to work for everybody else. If it works really well for you, that's fine. (laughs) It's an okay thing. So if we're looking at some of this trail, like you say, you see a big increase in trail usage and I would love to know um, how we can make that better. Like how can that be more of a positive thing? Um, How can people help? And I'm sure that, we could like donate to local organizations or whatever, but a lot of people are kind of broke. So how can people help out and make trails a better place to be? You know, that's a great question. And again, this is what I deal with for a living. And I get that a lot. Like, Hey, I'd love to help. I can't donate. We're a nonprofit. I mean, that's how our doors stay open. So I get that. 
Um, and there's more than just money, right? I mean, like I, like I mentioned before, I think sometimes if you have wherever you're at, if you've got these local trail organizations, whether they're governmental, right? Uh, Parks and Rec or, you know, we've got this trail group or it's a nonprofit or whatever it is. I think a lot of times it's just a phone call. Um, I prefer people come to my office. I love that human interaction too, right? But um, reach out and just say, hey, where can I help? You know, like, do you guys need board members? Do you guys need volunteer leaders? Do you guys need people to sit at a trailhead and ask questions to people or, you know, how, how can I help do that? But ultimately it's like learning how to help. You know, we get, we get people um, and I've seen it for a long time that just think, Oh, this trail right here needs work. And they just take their own tool out there and they try and fix it themselves, not understanding trail, you know, construction, you know, so what you thought was a problem was there for a reason. And now you just ruined the trail and now it's going to cost a bunch of money to fix. So, you know, I, I, I appreciate people's willingness to help, but as we all know in anything, it's not really helping if you don't know what you're doing, right? Um, so I think yeah. reaching out to that is is a key and just being a good ambassador on the trail, just be a very positive person on the trail, right? You see somebody, tell them hello. You see a piece of garbage, just stick it in your bag and, you know, take it to the trailhead. Um, the problem I see realistically too, though, is people carrying the negativity too too much, right? We, we will always have problems on the trails, just like we do in society. And you can go to a grocery store and get mad at somebody for putting their cart in the middle of the aisle or, you know, whatever it is. And, you know, if you see a, I don't know, an, a poop bag, right, on the side of the trail, it's not all dog owners, right? It's not, this is the biggest problem I've ever seen in my life. And I am going to be so mad about this. Like, it's, it's unfortunate. And it's a very bad, not a good thing, but don't let it ruin it. You know, sometimes, you know, like you hear all the time, don't give me, you know, tell me what the problem is. Tell me how we fix it. Right. So yeah. come up with some ideas. I'm always open to ideas where I'm at and some we've thought through and some we haven't, some are good or some are bad, but you know, the, the best to, way to help is just getting involved. And again, you mentioned money and that's not the only way, you know, obviously it's a huge benefit too, you know, and I try to guilt people into it sometimes too, when I see them drink a $12 mock mochaccino and I'm like, man, that could, you know, you can't afford five bucks a month to help us out, but you've got this, you know, and I do that on purpose. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there's, but there are, there's so many ways to help out. There's national trails day coming up, earth days coming up. Um, there's always something going on and a way to get involved, but realistically just educating yourself, right. On what the needs are and what the problems are. I like that. And is there sort of like local organizations, do you have a favorite space that you might send someone to, to educate themselves on needs and or what problems? I don't think so because I think oh. there's, it's different everywhere, right? Like what, what's down here in the Ogden area is completely different in St. George, you know, sure. um, the need, the needs of one organization are different than the needs of another. So I think it's, you know, just same with etiquette. I mean, there's like in Ogden area, we don't have odd even days or, or directional um, that happens in park city that happens in Salt Lake city. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that happens throughout the country. So really it's just trying to learn from your local community. Um, and then the biggest thing, I shouldn't say the biggest, but a huge thing too, because I do this a lot. I, I love to travel, um, may not be, you know, overseas and stuff, but uh, Ogden's a very, very big, you know, it, the tourists come a lot, right? We get a lot of visitors. Before you go somewhere and use their trails, learn about them a little bit, right? Um, because different places have different rules, right? Whether it's no dogs on leash, no dogs at all, 
um, no mountain bike. I mean, whatever it is. So just knowing where you're going, um, because realistically you're going into somebody else's home and whether or not it's a great place to mountain bike or run, that's, that's somebody's daily love. Right. And to go in and not respect where you're going to be, um, can cause problems and it gives a big negative impact on, you know, whatever that is. So I think if you do, that's another one. If you go somewhere, because people do that a lot, you look at all trails, Hey, I'm, I'm going to St. George when I leave this you know podcast and I've already done my research, right? Okay. I know I can go here. I know I can go here. Um, and how do I respect and treat somebody else's like daily love, you know? Couldn't agree more, man. I love that. I used to travel like all over the world and hike wherever I could. And you'd see some stuff. So yeah, yeah, man, I love that a lot. Um, bit of a bit of a turn here. Um, I appreciate all the info and some some more like practical things since you've been doing this longer than me. One question I have is running as a bigger dude. Like I barely have a knee gap, <laughs> much less like a thigh, some kind of thigh gap. Um, what gear have you found that works for you to one prevent chafing, but two, the thing that I struggle with is my legs eat pants. Like I destroyed a pair of shorts in like three days once. So wow. like, yeah. So like thoughts that you have works well. Oh my gosh. Here we go. Um, so I'm a squirrel's nut butter guy have been since day one. Um, the, the owner of the company and I, I met him and, uh, since day one, I've been a huge advocate for squirrels, not butter. Um, I have, you have to see tattoos. You can put it on a fresh tattoo. I mean, the stuff is just so beautiful. Um, That's awesome. I use, I use that. Another product I use is called, uh, squeaky cheeks. Um, it's a powder. Um, I love that, uh, helps with chafing. Um, I do use tape on my, um, chest on the, the pointy parts sometimes, um, yeah. because I started using like the old, you know, gels and body glides, but they'd stain my shirts and I'd look yeah. worse. So yeah, for sure. um, that helps, but, and I don't wear pants. I wear shorts. So, um, and I know yeah. you're probably meaning the same thing, but yeah. about two years ago, um, I had a big shift. I went from just give me a, and I loved my shorts with just liners, right? Lighter weight, felt good. I went to uh, uh, like a boxer liner and then shorts and my life's never been better. Right. So yeah. I think a, a combination of the squeaky cheeks I use or the squirrels nut butter I use, the liner and then the shorts, I haven't had any, any, and I mean that any chafing issues since. Um, good, man. And I am a bigger guy, as we know, um, you know, I have bigger thighs be from soccer. It's not just because mm -hmm. I like chicken and waffles or cheese curds <laughs> or IPAs, but, um, yeah, same. but yeah, and I, and I, I wear, and I, I will advocate strongly for path projects. I think they make some of the best apparel on the market. Um, I really do. Um, I, I talk to them often. I'm not, they don't give me money. They don't, you know, do anything. Um, I, I, I do get, you know, every once in a while they'll ask me to test something and it's the only pants I've ever wore running that I'm comfortable in. I actually love them. And I don't say that very often. So I may have you edit that. I don't know. Um, but no, they make great product. I've never, I've never had a liner or a pair of their shorts have issues with it. Um, other brands I have, um, I do like Patagonia. 
Um, I do like their Strider Pro five inch short, um, mm. but now they're eighty five dollars right now. So yeah, um, makes it a little bit more of a stretch for me. But I have, um, yeah, I used to wear a pair have, of those for frisbee, and like they're not cheap, but they no, were well, they're great, but they were not cheap. I remember when they were fifty bucks, right? That's how long it's been, um, and I still have else- some. Everything else was 20 at the time though. So they yeah. still weren't cheap. Yep. Now, yeah, yep. 100%. And now they've got a purple pair I've got my eye on. Um, I'm, a, I'm a pure black short guy, but I'm like, you know, for those Fridays, I'm feeling frisky. I'll wear the purples, but you know, I can't drop the 85 bucks yet. But yep. yeah, I think for me, uh, squirrel's nut butter, I've never had issues with. They make us really small, like um, deodorant looking stick that I take on long runs as well. Um, just in case I feel like I need to reapply because sometimes I'll get it with my pack if I'm wearing a tank or sleeveless on where my pack hits my ribs or under my armpit or whatever. So I don't know. I know I'm not trying to push brands, um, but however, there's brands I'm very passionate about and there's brands that I, um, I use, you know, and I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, I have them packed in my bag right now. I've got a drawer full of squirrels, nut butter, um, you know, have yeah. is the only short you're really going to see me in so uh, no, that's my it. that's what i've come to experience and i haven't had issues for a long time awesome dude i appreciate that yeah i know you do like your you do your yearly gear guide so when i it's coming like, does anybody it's have coming. any questions for eric one of them was like favorite trail gear so i wanted to make sure i asked um, because I'm yeah, not, a, well, I'm, I'm not really a gear guy. I like I, when I find something, I probably like use it, and then until it doesn't serve me anymore, I have very loose affiliations with anything. Um, but I know some people get very into the gear, so I, I'm one of those people. I'm a gear yeah. junkie, and I, oh. I have a problem. But there's not, a pro, <laughs> there's not a program out there like Gear Junkie Anonymous. <laughs> yeah. it's more, it's more they encourage you to buy more, so they get yeah. me all the time. Uh, I do. I do love gear, <laughs> and I respect that. And I feel like if I, you know, I have my own own things. Like gear wise, it just never came to like shoes. I find a pair of shoes, they work good enough. Like that's kind of where I end up. But yeah, yeah. There's um another question I had for you as far as like I'm not a parent, um, but I am busy, and then a lot of people I coach are parents. How do you? find how do you balance like the amount of volume you need to train for something like a hundred with parenting and work and all these other things like how do you what falls off probably uh sleep sometimes will for sure um Fair. you know I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate now that my kids are older my youngest just turned 18 as i mentioned um and you know you hear it i mean this this sport is selfish it really is in a lot of ways you know if you do want to do a big race or perform well at a race sometimes um you need to put in the work um what i learned a a long time ago is if i wanted to run i had to do it at 4 a.m you know um i i can honestly say i don't remember ever having a problem where i couldn't take my kid to school um, couldn't go to any other activities. I mean, my, my job sometimes would interfere with the, the activities, but, um, that's changed a lot as well. But I think everybody has their own, um, own thing, right? Um, my kids were never into, uh, uh, running. They were never really into sports in general. Um, so it wasn't like I could be the parent to take my kid running with me, you know, on a short run, like a couple miles or whatever. Um, but what I did notice, um, and what really propelled me to prioritize, 
um, was the impact my running had on my children in a positive way. Um, I think we always focus on, you know, it pulls away from our families or kids or anything else. And I'm not the only one. Uh, I've heard other people say this, but I absolutely remember uh, coming home after my first hundred mile Wasatch 100. And I was wrecked. I mean, it was ugly. I mean, I, it was ugly. I finished under 35 hours, barely. And it's a 36 hour cutoff, but um, I do have a, a stepdaughter, uh, my oldest. And when I came home that day, I remember I was in my bed, probably eating this, my seventh pizza of the day, trying to, you know, get my figure back. And uh, I walked out down the hall and she was on the phone with her, her biological father. And uh, I remember her telling him, him, and she was, my goodness, she was maybe 10, maybe 11 at the time. And she was like, I can't believe he did that. That was amazing. It was so cool. You know, and I just, it stuck with me and I, I'm getting emotional right now because, excuse me, because right then and there, um, I understood what being a father was really. I mean, she was my, I've been around with her for five years, you know, as, a, as a, my stepdaughter. Um, but I, I always remember that because it's like, wow, I'm showing her not to be a runner. You know, I'm not showing her how to be athletic or, but I'm showing her you can do hard things. Right. And I know that's not a secret. And I know there's other things in life. Don't get me wrong. Running is not like the creme de la creme, but there's other things. But I remember at that point, I thought to myself, okay, maybe it isn't so selfish. Maybe it's discipline. You know, I'm showing them, Hey, if you want to do something, you've got to work for it, wake up at four, you know, whatever, whatever that looks like for some people. And it was a, that helped me balance that moving forward, you know, because I, I knew I, I love my kids. I always have, I've always had time for my family. Um, and I, I feel comfortable saying that, but I also made them included every race I ran. Uh, they finished with me, help carry them or holding their hand. Um, and I still have pictures hanging on the wall from, you know, 15 years ago with that. I gave them my, my finisher medals or whatever it was to commemorate them being there with me because it truly wasn't just me. They, they inspired me to be better. Um, but I also saw the impact it had on them. So it, it came to the point where, you know what, this isn't that hard. It really wasn't juggling. It wasn't hard, but you just had to make that commitment. Um, and you just had to understand why you were doing it. You know, and my, my why changed. My why wasn't just about me finishing a hundred mile race. My why became I get to run, but I also get to show my children that you can do hard things if you just focus. Um, and I think that changed my outlook on this balancing juggling act. Thanks for sharing that, man. Like, I think that's such an important perspective that I have considered from the other end a lot. Like, my dad was really strong. We did all this stuff. And so, like, I, remember what it's like being a kid and like idolizing your father or mother or whatever. Um, and I wish more parents kind of like had that moment to really recognize that. Cause when I talk with somebody and they're worried like about, you know, waking up a little earlier or spending money on a coach or buying a new pair of shoes because their feet are hammered because their shoes are like paper thin at this point. And just putting in a little bit so that 
you can do the hard thing and like show someone else that hard things are possible, I think matters, man. It really matters. Well, I think it, dude, it absolutely 100% comes down to your why, right? Like, you know, why should I hire a coach? Why should I get new shoes? And why do you want to do this? Like, why do you want to run a, a half marathon? Why do you want to run a marathon? Why do you want to run your first 5K? Why do you run on 100? You have to have the right why or the other stuff doesn't matter, right? Yeah. And I think having that conversation with your family, right? Children, spouse, significant other, however that works in your dynamic, having the conversation, I think is the game changer, really. You know, be honest. Say, hey, you know, mom wants to do this because... Hey, you know, Hey, dad wants to do this because this, and, and have a little faith in your family, you know, that, you know, they'll understand, or at least they know. Right. Um, Cause yeah. I do know, like I came through, it was hard times sometimes where, you know, it would be a little rocky maybe, you know, and I'd feel selfish, but um, have the conversations. And um, I think that eases things a little bit, right. Everybody's different. It doesn't always work. And, you know, there's terrible in the world, but if you do things for the right reason, you can always make it work. Right. And you can always, I don't want to say justify, but you can, you can justify why you're doing it. Maybe you need it for, you know, a positive mental piece of your life to show yourself you can do something because you're going through a hard time. Right. Um, I think it's, you have to be a little selfish no matter what you do in life. Right. Or what or what it, what it is, but it's just that balance of, am I too selfish? Am I doing too much? Um, if you need a new pair of shoes, man, get them, you know, I mean, yeah. the, the alternative's not so good. And, you know, you see people spend money all day, every day on things, you know, it's just, again, it's a priority and it's a making it work, you know? Yeah. hundred percent. It really just comes down to priorities. And I was having this conversation with someone else the other day and it wasn't like, I think some people leverage that word really negatively where they're like, well, you just have to make it a priority and do it. Right. Whereas yeah. like, for me, like it was more in the context of Russian West, right? Like they're full-time student, um, want to like train to do this difficult thing running wise, um, full-time job. And it's like, you have other priorities. So maybe we take an extra month to get there or something like that. And that's okay. But what it comes down to end of the day is like really broke people climb like very high mountains because they have prioritized that above all else. Right. And if yeah. you haven't prioritized that above all else, that's perfectly fine, but it means that we might adjust some expectations or figure out exactly what's, what's going to fall off because everything is a trade. And yeah. I don't think that's a bad thing. It's just like having that honest conversation with you. And as you said, your family is going to, or whatever your personal social structure looks like is important. And that's really like the bedrock for all of it. Yeah, you, you can't afford a new pair of shoes, cancel Netflix, quit buying the cappuccino, you know, whatever <laughs> that, I mean, you make sacrifices yeah. other ways. I mean, realistically, yeah, if you really sure. want to do this and you need a pair of shoes, or maybe you need a coach to give you structure, whatever it is, I mean, take a quick look and say, okay, do I need these other things for a couple months? Right. Um, yeah. and, and I don't want to call it sacrifice because good hell, you're not 
this and Netflix for two months is not a sacrifice, folks. Like, you know, it's just the way of the world, right? Sure, so it is. It's but if you have the right, if you're doing it for the right reasons, and I mentioned that earlier in the show, you know, if you do things for the right reasons, you'll find a way, right? Or sometimes yeah. if you're, you know, you can find people to help you along the way. Like reach, ask yeah. questions. You know, even yeah. if you don't have a coach, you can ask questions to people you see and know and trust and hey, you know, I'm, I'm I need a nutrition idea or whatever yeah. else. I mean, that's what, that's what it's there for is to ask people and, and have safe places to, to get help otherwise. And that's why like you and I both have Facebook groups. Like I realize not everybody can afford my services. It's fine, which is why the group exists. And yeah, just message me. I'll usually yeah. answer. Like I spend a yeah. lot of my time just answering things. That's a lot of what yeah. my day is. So hundred percent. Um, okay. So last couple things were questions from the group. One is from Anna and she asked how did trail manners get its start and what is its future oh gosh Whew, thanks Anna that's not a tough one that makes me nervous when it's from Anna I'm like oh <laughs> um Anna it's a great question um how did it get its start well we started in 2015 um which was long before I mean at the time it was my me and a good friend of mine my running partner Joel Hatch we ran together all the time and you know, I was fortunate enough to, to work in the outdoor industry with Smith Optics, uh, Pearl Azumi. I, I was the manager of the ultra running team. And at the time, I think there was, and I'm, I'm going to go back, it's been 2015. Um, I think there was only like three or four real trail running podcasts out there. Um, there wasn't much. There was not the, the what we have today. And Joel and I thought, you know, it'd be nice. And, and Joel's like, Eric, you've got connection with these people. We could bring on a Darcy and you know, a, a Timothy Olson and, you know, Dylan Bowman's and these like heavy hitters, um, you can bring them on and um, talk to them. I'm like, oh, that sounds neat. I just don't like talking to people. Right. Um, so we spent about oh, seven months talking about this and I researched podcasts. It's not like it is today, folks. Like I literally was looking at Encyclopedia Britannica's back then trying to figure out how to do a podcast. You know, when do you launch it? How long are they? You know, what do you do? And me and Joel recorded our first podcast uh, four times. It was so bad. We just sat with microphones and just stared at each other like dumb, like Beavis and Butthead half the time, you know? So the reason we started it ultimately was to help. And that's what it was to help and be entertaining. Right. We knew we weren't the know-it-alls, but we also knew that we knew people that were right in those fields, whether it's a nutrition field or, I mean, I knew companies left and right uh, brands left and right. Um, so we, we started it kind of on a whim and not with a plan, right? Like we didn't know you could make money on podcasts by different avenues and that wasn't our goal. And we didn't do those things. Um, and now looking back, if we would have done our structure differently, you know, things might have been different, um, but sure. I wouldn't change it. Um, so we started kind of more or less. There wasn't much out there. Um, and we just again, we loved the community and wanted to, to help in any way we could. And we had no clue it would take off like it did. Um, we, we ended up having one of the best communities of people we and we probably never have been the most downloaded or most known podcast but we're okay with that because we never changed who we were um, we always tried to stay and i use the word authentic but and personable you know we we met people through this podcast that live in other countries never met them in person but i feel like i know them very well um and so that's why we started it 
is because there wasn't anything at the time like it that much. Um, and we just wanted to have some fun. And my God, we had a blast. I mean, we recorded two shows a week um, for four years. Um, I just launched episode 309. Well, no, I take that back. 319 comes out soon, uh, but 319 podcasts um, that we've, we've produced. And I'm excited to be back. I have more energy than I ever have with it. Um, and so the future is a great question because I don't know. Um, we're going to continue to do it as long as we enjoy it. Uh, the minute it comes something that's work or we're not enjoying it or it becomes that thing, you, you know, that where do I find time? Um, we might stop again. And I think if we stop one more time and I say we, it's still me. Uh, Joel Hatch left for personally. He has a lot of business stuff. I say we because when I say we, I mean everybody in the, that listens to the podcast. I, I feel Trail Manners is not me. Um, but uh, I think the next time we stop will be the last time um, for sure. So I'm going to keep it going as long as I've got the energy and, you know, as long as it is there. But and I tell people all the time it'll be a podcast. It will always be true. It will always be authentic. And we will always be positive. You know, if it's, we'll never have negative shows or negative comments or anything else. We'll, we'll, we're there to have fun. Hopefully people learn something here or there or, or pick something up here or there. But at the end of the day, we just want to entertain people and have a safe place for people to enjoy themselves. That's awesome, man. You can tell, like, I listen to a lot of podcasts that's where i get a ton of information and just enjoyment and yours definitely sits apart so it's very very notable that what you do is like there's a reason you have the following you have and it could be small but we love them all so yeah i feel that <laughs> I'm, I'm in the same boat man. um another question from anna was what your favorite trail gear is and we kind of dove into that but if you have any more other than squirrels nut butter or your path projects Real gear. Um, I have so much gear, Anna. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, it's embarrassing. Um, I've got more shoes than I'm going to talk about. I have a storage unit. And my kid makes fun of me because of it. But I've got 20 pairs of shoes and a storage unit in a box, at least. So, I'm going to leave that there. Real gear. Um, I love my brand new Coros Vertex, too. I'm not sponsored. They don't give me – I didn't get a discount. Nothing. Um, but I've come to love that watch after being a Sunto person for so long. I still like Sunto, but I've enjoyed this. What made the switch um, for you for that? Because I do know that like watches are a thing that that's an investment, right? Like I realize shoes, oh, but you're also going to burn them out. Whereas a watch, you kind of hope it's going to last for a while. So like what made you make the switch and what makes you like the, the chorus? To me, it was, uh, I'm not a tech guy. Like I struggle with it and that's no joke. Um, and soon wasn't hard. So don't, and I don't use all the capabilities on any watch I've ever had because it's too much thought process. Right. Um, however, I, I soon battery life was absolutely one of the things that, um, got me there. Uh, and it's not like you go out and run 20 hours all the time to where it's like the game changer. Sure. Um, but when you do travel, too. I mean, this thing will stay charged for, I've never ran it out of battery life, right? I've gone to Hawaii for a week and never charged it and used it, right? So convenience is, I'm not going to lie, is a little bit. Um, but also I think it is easy to use. And I think I've probably tried to use it a little bit more. Um, but I also wanted to know what the buzz was about. I mean, hell, I was a Garmin 210. It was like literally a cell phone on your wrist, how big those were back in the day. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was just like, okay, there's a lot of heat, you know, and I, I, I respect there's trail runners in the, in the world that I absolutely respect to the 90th 
percent like just respect like no other and it's not because of their accomplishments it's because who they are as a person right like I've, i'm very fortunate to know some very talented athletes but i also know they are the type of people that don't endorse products for the money you know i know a lot of athletes that do so don't i'm not saying that but the ones i i really yeah. pay attention to are the ones that i know are authentic and true and wouldn't lead you astray and so when i hear them saying oh my gosh this is awesome and i'm like okay you know, if this person really does like it, maybe I'll check it out. Right. So I did my research like I do. And I'm like, let's just take the plunge. You know, I needed it. My watch was coming up anyway. And um, I liked it. So that, and then I don't think I have any really like favorite stuff. I just like things here and there, you know, like I'm a Hoka shoe wearer right now. Um, I love wearing Hoka's right now. And I hated Hoka's for as long as they've been around. But um, then I found a shoe that worked and, now I'm in love. And so I think that's pretty much it, but I don't have any, I mean, I, I can get into like nutrition I'm into now, but I don't have like something that I is biting me right now. Um, but I do have favorites for, for different reasons. It's awesome, man. I get that. I'm kind of the same where I just like use this mattering. My watch was given to me by a friend cause he had a new one and we basically traded it for some coaching. So, you know, Kind of use what you use. I was actually looking at Akoros prior to that. So, yeah, awesome, man. A um, couple more. And they're both from Scott. One is, do you have a bucket list race and why? Um, and I'm going to be honest. Um, it's a great question. There's probably more than one, but it may not be the ones people think about, you know, when you talk Westerns and hard rocks and Boston marathons or whatever else. Sure. Um, and not to say I wouldn't do those things. Sure. Um, but I think one of my bucket list races from my whole running career has been the bear 100, which is in my backyard. Yeah. Um, it's a race I've never done. Um, I attempted it one year. Um, it was two weeks after the Wasatch 100 and I tried to double back to back in two weeks. Um, I finished Wasatch, had a great experience. Two weeks later, I ran the bear, got to mile 40. And honestly, it was just, I didn't want to be out there anymore. I wish I had a better excuse. Like I was hurt or I was throwing up, but I just came into the, like mile 40 and thought, I just don't want to be here. My body and men mentally, I just wasn't prepared for the 200s in two weeks. And I know people do it and everything else, but that was my only attempt I've paced it and crewed it for 20 years. Um, so that's probably, and I'm registered for it this year again. I've registered for it before and not run it. So let's get that clear. But I think and then the other one is the Ice Age 50 um, in Wisconsin or yeah, back 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 there. Um, I said Wisconsin, didn't I? Yeah. So um, old school, been around a long time, a um, lot of history, and I've never run there. And you know, I mean, you say Wisconsin, the first thing that pops in my head is cheese. So I think it's a place I need to go. But I think those two are probably my biggest bucket list races. Um, there's other bucket list places, but those are the two races that I would say really for me are my bucket list races. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I don't know much about the Ice Age 50. Obviously, the Bears right here. So I know a lot of people have done it or like tried it. But yeah, what is the, what's the Ice Age 50? Like, what sets it apart? I think it's just, again, it's just, what. so, you know, there used to be a time when there wasn't a lot of races in the country, you know, like 100 milers, there's a billion, and at one point there were two in Utah, right? Now there's a, a lot, I don't even know the number anymore, um, but Ice Age is just one of those ones that I remember, you know, always seeing some of the 
athletes I respected running, um, the stories and it's gorgeous. I mean, I, I've never been on the course, so don't, you know, I could go out there and be like, Holy crap, this was stupid. Right. Um, but everything I've heard and the people I trust, I think location wise, I haven't run any races kind of back East, if you will. Um, but I don't know, it just, it's always, it's an iconic trail. It's an iconic race in trail running to me. Um, just like some, some people, like the bigger ones you hear about. Um, but everybody I talk to, it's like, but they keep that old school feel, right? It hasn't evolved into a circus. It hasn't evolved. It was like, obviously has some change to it, but, um, you know, it's just, it's kind of that old school feel and, you know, there's not a ton of, I want to say vert, it's very rolly, you know, so it's not like you're climbing a thousand, 2000 feet at a time. So, you know, I'll say it's more runnable if that's proper, but I don't know. It's just always, I just, it's just been a one when I first started one, that's always been in the back of my head that I've wanted to do. And I just have never um, made the commitment to completely do it. Like that a lot. And on the like path of Wisconsin, this is a good lead for Scott's second question. Where have you found Uh-oh. the best cheese curds? Oh my gosh. There isn't such thing, Scott. They're all good, man. Um, that's a tough one because I'm so I, I'm a, I call myself a cheese curd connoisseur, but obviously the world is big, right? So I could say one thing and someone else like, well, you've never had ours. And that's why I love it is because I'm a very much uh, an experience eater. Maybe that's like not experienced, but experience, right? Like you've had some food somewhere that was the best you've ever tasted, but it wasn't the first time you've had that food, right? It's it's all too about where you're at, who you're with, what you're in. Um, I had one of the best foods of my life on the Pocatello 50 course back in the day. They mixed top ramen with powdered garlic mashed potatoes in a cup for me. I never thought I would I could have died on the spot with the best tasting thing I've ever had. I've tried it since and it was average. So it, but where I was, <laughs> it was a little cold, it was new. Um so yeah. cheese curd wise, um, and I'm, uh, this is a great timing for this. I'm going to go pick some up today um, in Beaver, Utah. There's a place called the Creamery. And uh, I'm driving through there today on the way to St. George. And I'll probably get four bags because they make different kinds, right? Um, Gosner's in Logan. And these are local places. But I did have a listener for my podcast send me cheese curds from Wisconsin and a pint glass. And the pint glass said, I run for beer and cheese curds. It's the greatest gift I've ever received. And I can't remember who sent it to me, um, but I barely drink out of it because I don't want it to break it. <laughs> that is wise, um, so tailored for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. And that's why I run. Um, but far as cheese curds go, um, because I get them more than not is Gosner's and, and the Creamery and Beaver. Um, I have tasted cheese from more places than I'd like to admit. Um, and just, uh, just a fun fact, cheese curds are not meant to be cold. Okay. So if they're cold, they're probably not going to be as good. The one came from Wisconsin and people thought I was, you're eating warm cheese. I'm like, it's a cheese curd. That's why they call it squeaky cheese. If it's cold, they don't squeak, man. You got to get that in there. So um, if you want to learn more, let me know, but I'll tell you all about cheese curds. Um, but I, but mean, I can roosters, listen to forever. I'm very roosters, my, my hometown restaurant roosters has deep fried cheese curds. And I'm a big reason why they're on the menu because it used to be a special and I would call the restaurant. It's a brewery. And I'm like, Hey, what's your special? 
and they think, oh, today we've got this, and I show up and eat three plates of them, man. So, yeah. There's not such thing as the best. There's just really good cheese curds. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I feel like they're everywhere now, and and I've been eating them for ever. Uh, but, yeah, I'm very happy that they've kind of taken off, and you can see them a lot more places. Yeah. Cool. Thank you, Eric. I appreciate it. Do you have anything else you want to say before we head out? No, I just appreciate you having me on. I appreciate what you're doing um, because that's important, you know, doing things for the right reasons. And you can tell you do those things. I mean, I've had you on my okay. podcast. I, I follow your Facebook page. I, I listen from time to time. Um, so I think at the end of the day, thanks for what you're doing. You know, I hope you continue to do it based on how you feel as well. You know, as long as your heart's in it, I think that's important. Um, and then just lastly, you know, if people out there don't, know about my podcast uh, have a listen see if you like it and uh i love getting emails and responses from people too and questions so um, i'm always here to, just like you are to answer questions and if i don't know the answer i try and find it from someone i know so um, but yeah i just appreciate you having me on thanks eric i appreciate it i'll link all that stuff in the notes and until next time we'll be back with another one soon thank you thank you for listening to the trail and ultra running training podcast Honestly, I'm still surprised and honored that anybody wants to hear what I have to say, so thank you. To be clear, not a doctor, nor a registered dietitian, or any other kind of medical professional. I'm a personal trainer, a nutrition coach, and a running coach, and I have a passion for training trail runners. You should always speak with a qualified medical professional before making any changes to your training or nutrition program. If you enjoyed the podcast or found it helpful, please take a second to leave a rating or review. I'd really appreciate it or you could just share it with someone for whom you think it might be helpful. I make these kinds of things in order to provide more quality, free resources to people, so the more people who hear it, the better. If you want more of this information, please head to the Trail and Ultra Running Training Group on Facebook, where we discuss all aspects of training, so you can have more fun doing the sport that you love. Thank you again for listening.